welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journeys. I'm very pleased today to welcome Randy Painter to the podcast. Randy is a leader in the field of online advocacy and is founder and chief executive officer of Care2 and the petition site. Randy launched Care2 in 1998 to empower individuals to take collective action in support of social and environmental causes. It was one of the first online social ventures, innovating an engine for good model where good actions generate revenues that help fuel more good actions. Care2 has recruited more than 30 million donors and advocates for a thousand non-profit organizations. So thank you very much, Randy, for taking the time today to speak to inspiring social entrepreneurs. Of course, it's great to be here. Thank you. Great. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you and finding out more about Care2 and some of the great work you've been doing. A uh, good place to start, maybe get a little bit of a sense of how you ended up in the, this whole world of social entrepreneurship. Sure. Well, actually, it started out, my father was an ornithologist. And, and um, when he when I was 11, um, I was actually uh, on the Amazon with him uh, looking at um, looking at birds. And uh, I noticed that there, the trees had been uh, cut down and the deforestation, even back in the, the late 70s when this was, um, was quite evident. And it concerned me that if this was kind of the future, if this was what progress was all about, then uh, the world was in trouble. So I kind of at that point, I guess, uh, decided that I wanted to do something about it. And uh, it, it, it uh, took me a number of years to actually start to kind of fulfill, fulfill that um, ambition. But um, it, it kind of fast forward to 1995, I just graduated from business school and I happened to be kind of in the heart of Silicon Valley. And uh, a lot was going on at that time regarding the internet. And I started a, one of the first, turned out to be one of the first um, kind of viral apps, which was uh, eCards.com, which was an electronic greeting card site with a couple of my friends. And so we learned a lot about viral marketing, uh, and I ended up using that uh, kind of insight. Uh, eventually, I was, uh, my, my partner bought me out and ended up using that money to start Care2 and kind of finally pursue that passion of uh, helping to engage people in making the world a better place. Great, great. So when, when did you set up Care2? So we started actually in 1998, so we're about uh, 20 years old. Right. Were there even social entrepreneurs then, Randy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Back in 1998, when I started Care2, there, we didn't call ourselves social entrepreneurs. We were more interested in and focused on uh, kind of socially responsible business at the time. And there were some great pioneers out there who were inspirations to me, such as Anita Roddick, who started the, the Body Shop, and Ben and & Jerry, Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream, and there were some others out there as well. And a lot of these entrepreneurs were focused on creating um, a sustainable workplace and um, making sure that their products were made of you know, environmentally responsible source products. And they weren't. It wasn't necessarily that the uh, that the business itself um, was producing a product that made the world a better place. And so, one of the big changes that I've seen is that more and more now, social entrepreneurs want to have their product itself be socially and environmentally responsible, 
not just the ways that they practice business. And so that's been one of the cores of CARE2 is let's make sure that the business that we're doing creates more good in the world as we generate more revenues. Yes, yes. Can you talk a little bit about what your initial vision for CARE2 was and how you thought about it in terms of, you know, being a, an NGO, which isn't, but, you know, a profit-making or non-profit-making in the business model and how you kind of conceived of that at the outset? Sure. So from the, from the outset, my vision was to harness the power of markets to make the world a better place. Uh, it was using a uh, for-profit model, which is really kind of probably better termed a for-benefit model. And it wasn't about, um, I, I didn't want it to be a nonprofit organization. I wanted it to kind of uh, to, to leverage markets and those the, the forces of the markets to kind of force us to do more good. And so I was very keen on creating um, what I call an engine for good so that the more good we do, the more money we make, the more money we make, the more good we do. So basically we use that fuel of doing good to uh, kind of create, to kind of power the engine and to uh, create more benefit in the world. And that, that alignment of the mission and the margin was you know, absolutely key to the model and is something that I'm, I'm very pleased with that uh, I feel like we've, we've accomplished that. And so uh, the, the, the basic way that that works is that there are two aspects of CARE2. We have a, a kind of a consumer-facing side of it where we empower individuals to uh, start petitions and support each other's petition campaigns and have direct impact on the world through their petition campaigns. And then simultaneously, uh, we're helping nonprofit organizations to become more effective and efficient in terms of recruiting donor prospects. And so basically, they pay us to recruit new donors for them. And uh, because we are a better solution than anything else that they can find out there, uh, we end up helping them to save money and focus, you know, put more of that money to work on, on doing good in the world. So basically, so the more good we do, the more money we make, the more money we make, the more good we do. And was that your initial concept or did you have a few goes, a few different versions of the idea to get there? Yeah, we actually had a few, I guess it's, it's been a long evolution. We've always had that model of um, being focused on margin emission and, and, and helping uh, kind of making sure that the product was aligned uh, with the margin. That said, the actual concept of recruiting donor prospects you know, didn't even exist back in 1998 when we started. And it was something that uh, we, the, the initial focus was really actually on, I was going to have advertising and green e-commerce was actually the, the initial idea for how we were going to uh, kind of fund the business. And it turns out that neither one of those was such a great idea, um, particularly back in 1998. And so we kind of pivoted early on to focus on nonprofits. We happened to have one of our employees used to work at a nonprofit organization, had some contacts there. Uh, we ended up doing a newsletter on behalf of that, sending out a newsletter on behalf of that nonprofit organization. And we're really actually, this was kind of, this was actually in two, late 2000 when we were pretty much desperate when the uh, kind of dot com crash was happening. And so we, but we quickly realized that uh, the, the members that were using Care2 were of great value to the nonprofit organizations. And so we figured, ah, there, there's something here. So we ended up uh, basically creating this model where rather than asking people for a donation every single time they came to visit the site, 
We would instead uh, enable them and empower them to make a positive impact through online petitions primarily and, and, and other ways as well, and then use that as a vehicle to uh, then engage them with the nonprofit organization kind of as a, in a matchmaking way so they could then join the nonprofit and, and do more good uh, with that nonprofit directly. Right, that's very interesting. Can you give me an example of how that might work for a, a particular uh, nonprofit in terms of this sourcing of leads and, 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 and so forth? Sure. So, uh, I mean, we work with over 2,000 nonprofit organizations, pretty much all of the major um, organizations that are membership based that are, I would say, center to left of center um, politically and uh, interested basically in making the world a uh, kinder, more inclusive and sustainable space is the way we kind of, we, we say it. And so uh, we will, we're, an organization will come to us and say, um, I need to recruit 100,000 donor prospects uh, and we will help them to craft a campaign. We've got a team of experienced campaigners on our site side that um, work with the nonprofit directly to craft a campaign that is going to find uh, kind of uh, entice those uh, donor prospects from among our members to join the nonprofit organization's uh, list. So we'll run that campaign on our site, and generally the way that that works is we'll send out a newsletter or perhaps someone is signing a petition on our site from a friend or uh, maybe some hyper-specific or hyper-local kind of type, type of topic. Uh, we'll then show them a promoted petition if they opt to receive more information from that organization, um, then we will pass their information on to the organization. So it's all permission-based, and um, we end up, uh, the organization will basically end up paying us for um, the, the predetermined 50,000 leads that we've contracted with them in the beginning. Great, great. And um, the, the, the world has changed a lot since then, hasn't it? And this online advocacy and petitions, the, the, there's a proliferation of, 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 of online activism of, of this kind. How, how is that going? Is, uh, you know, you were there at the, at, the, at the outset before, probably it had really taken root. Yeah, well, so it's changed a lot. We, we were definitely very early to market and in some ways kind of too early, I think. Uh, which is, you know, which has created some challenges for us along the way. But it, one of the really exciting things, from my perspective, is that um, while activism, online activism, was really in its infancy when we started back in in '98, um, it's come so far and it's just become such an incredibly powerful force and so important. Uh, to create social change. So now that with everybody with their mobile phone, um, and there's so many simple ways to take action online uh, today, that we have a much more engaged population, and so many more people are participating, which is creating the you know such so much more transparency and accountability, and that is kind of inevitably pushing organizations, businesses, governments to be held more accountable and kind of forcing them to, uh, to what I think is a more sustainable and more inclusive model. Now, there are some hiccups along the way. It doesn't always go smoothly. It's not always a kind of a linear uh, path up and up and to the right. It is something that uh, there are fits and starts to it. But, you know, all in all, I'm very optimistic that uh, with all of this transparency and, and engagement, uh, we're on a great path. 
What are a couple of examples you'd point to? And I know you mentioned the permission basis of the work that you're doing. And there are questions about technology companies and data and so forth. But I guess also it's good to know that the way that that you've got that kind of uh, as a basis. Uh, I'm also interested in the question of, and I know this has come up a little bit, uh, there's been a couple of books about this recently, but, you know, this kind of e-activism questioning, you know, how, how far can it go or or you know to what extent is it channeling people's energy and they're not going out and creating other kinds of change and is it kind of wearing off i mean if you get a very high level picture of <laughs> um before we go back to some more of the the dynamics of building the organization mm-hmm. sure well i think it's it's very important that people realize that the actions that they're taking online are making a positive impact and so you know we're fortunate to have a great team here that really works directly with individuals who are starting our starting petitions on our site. And so we have lots of real-world kind of case studies of, uh, of impact. So, for example, uh, Starbucks uh, recently announced that they're going to get rid of plastic straws. Well, that campaign actually started with an, when an individual employee from Starbucks started a Care2 petition, um, ended up getting uh, over 100,000 people signing it, kind of put pressure on the company and forced them to uh, kind of get rid of their, their plastic straws. It's, it's one small step towards... You know, greater sustainability, but it's kind of an example of how uh, signing an online petition can actually make real impact. So I'm a, I'm a huge believer in the kind of just helping everybody to take simple actions and realize that their their vote, their action matters. And so uh, basically, the I think there's a there's been a misunderstanding of kind of the way that uh, maybe human motivation works in terms of um, activism, because it's not that people who take, you know, click online are less likely to do uh, other good offline or uh, you know, donate or vote more kind of in a, in a more responsible way. It's it's really that the, the, there's a positive feedback there that helps to cement um, kind of one's personal perception of oneself. And so, the more actions we take to let's say uh, support animal welfare. Uh, online, the more likely we are to think of ourselves as an animal welfare advocate, which makes us more likely to talk to our friends about animal welfare or uh, maybe even read more stories about that and share them or uh, maybe vote for candidates that might be you know, supportive of animal welfare and, and or you know, buy products that are not uh, harming animals. Um, so these simple first, these are, these are often the first step um, but the whole concept here is about engagement, about helping people to take action and feel good about those actions so that they'll be inspired to do more. It's not a, it's not a replacement yes, for yes, yeah. doing more. Yeah, no, I've read research about uh, how people getting a sticker in their window and so forth, and therefore they start a small step, and, 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 but yet can, can make a substantial difference. Um, before moving on, just one last question, if I may. Um, what kind of campaigns work best? Well, big question. The, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, there there are all sorts of campaigns that can work well. I think part of it is about campaigns that are particularly kind of hyper local or hyper specific are probably the easiest ones to point to that. Um, 
where you can see that a petition is is kind of the the causal kind of factor in, in creating the actual impact. So uh, maybe a board, maybe maybe a local school board um, has uh, maybe let's say the students at a and this is act, we've actually seen a number of these types of petitions where students at a school um, are. Um, concerned about a dress code where um, girls are singled out for, let's say, exposing their their shoulders, um, you know, gasp uh, at school. And so uh, there have been multiple campaigns where they've been able to say, you know, this is this is sexist, this is not right. Um, we should be able to expose our our shoulders um, in school. And you know, lo and behold, the school boards are often very uh, very willing to change those rules because they're getting direct feedback from their community um, in, in a very local and, and um, kind of specific way. And so those are kind of the easiest ones for you. Like there was no other campaign outside of the petition and that made the impact. That said, um, you know, I, I actually believe petitions can have uh, be a part of the overall ecosystem in, in you know, all sorts of types of, of social change out there that where you can't say that the petition was the only factor, but it was part of the overall solution. And so, um, you know, we see that in the election of officials. We see that in um, all, all sorts of uh, a variety of campaigns that sometimes take more than a week or two to actually kind of uh, see for, come to fruition. And so the other the other key here is uh, keys are emotion. Um, the more emotional the campaign is, uh, the more it will resonate, the more it will spread, the more likely it is to, to have an impact. And then also uh, in terms of the targets, uh, businesses tend to be very uh, responsive to uh, petitions because they realize that there are real dollars at stake and that they're uh, they need to respond or they're going to lose. Uh, customers or lose, you know, lose, lose money, um, and so they tend to be quite, um, uh, quite cautious and, and careful when they uh, are, you know, when, when there's a petition that is going up against a company. Fascinating. Uh, lots of more questions I could ask you there. It's a rich territory. Um, looking at Care Two itself, what's the scope of your activity today, and can you maybe kind of highlight a couple of uh, uh, steps along the way in your growth? Sure. So, so when, you, when you say the scope of our activity, um, are you you're talking about um, the types of business services that we provide, or what? what, what can the, you find the, the, the the number of employees, the scale of the organization, the uh, turnover, or just the kind of you know the key kind of variables like that. Got it. Got it. So, Care2 is a, is a private company, so we don't release our uh, revenue numbers, but. Um, but I'll, I'll say we're doing in the um, seven digits um, in terms of uh, dollars, in terms of revenue. Um, we are uh, about 70 employees. The majority of them are in the United States, but we have um, a handful in the UK and uh, Australia. And so we're, we're really focused on providing you know, donor acquisition for nonprofit organizations, as well as uh, helping mission-aligned brands to acquire more customers as well. Right, right. What are a few key steps along the way? You've talked about the evolution of the business model. Um, timing is an important factor there, just the way things evolve. Uh, looking back now, uh, can you maybe identify a few key steps in the development of the organization? Sure. The probably some of the, the most important factors have been uh, kind of external uh, kind of economic factors. I think that have kind of forced the company to uh, kind of move in, in a 
in a direction that is more sustainable. So when we started out, I mentioned before that we had been focused on green e-commerce and advertising and the economics weren't working out. Uh, it was uh, uh, the initial dot-com uh, implosion in 2000. And so we were kind of forced at that point out of desperation really to change our business model and find a business model that was going to be uh, more productive. I'd say uh, kind of one of the, um, the next big change that we've seen has been really with the growth of Facebook and Google. And this is really kind of created a um, significant challenge for nonprofit organizations. So years ago, nonprofits, uh, well, traditionally in the United States, most nonprofit organizations have recruited new donor prospects from direct mail and sometimes from, uh, via phone. But uh, direct mail's been kind of the, the big area that they've been focused on. What's happened is that uh, due to the growth of the internet primarily, People are not responding uh, nearly in the same levels uh, that they used to via direct mail. And so organizations are being forced to move online. And what initially, uh, in the, kind of the, the, the good old days of the Internet, uh, they were able to do a lot of direct and kind of viral growth, not nonprofit organizations were. What then happened was Facebook and Google kind of rose into such a powerful position, and particularly, uh, I'd say, Facebook, because people generally aren't searching for, you know, how do I donate to this particular cause? So uh, they generally need to be kind of interrupted. And so the best, kind of one of the, the best areas for that is on Facebook. And um, because Facebook and Google are so powerful these days, they really clamp down on the ability for organizations to uh, get direct traffic and to share virally uh, and to get kind of viral growth. So it's really for, they're forcing this pay to play environment. And the challenge is that uh, when it comes to pay-to-play on Facebook, there's only one feed that is uh, for every everything on uh, the individual will consume when they're looking at their Facebook uh, news feed. And so, organizations that used to or they, they used to basically um, compete in direct mail, and maybe they were competing against a couple of other direct mail pieces in a day. Whenever that direct mail piece arrived in someone's mailbox. These days, uh, they're not competing just against every other nonprofit organization. They're also competing against you know, every individual's fundraising campaign, as well as you know every cute cat video, every personal update, uh, every commercial post. They're competing for attention with everything in the world in that one news feed, which is really, really difficult for any individual organization to do effectively. They're just that they're. Lots of great things that nonprofits do, um, but it's really hard for them to compete uh, at that level uh, for attention. And so that shift in the market has really kind of um, been, a, been a major challenge for nonprofits, and that's kind of where Care2 has been able to step in and, and provide a, a great solution for them because we have the scale and the expertise to recruit donors uh, much more effectively than the organizations can do, um, that's really created the, the big opportunity for us and kind of why we've been, we've really accelerated in growth. We had uh, last, the uh, end of Q4, we actually, which is Q4 is generally our biggest quarter of the year, but we grew 83% year over year. So um, definitely been really taking off um, as a result of these kind of changes in the environment. 
Yes. How much of that is driven by the needs of the, the non-profits and how much of it is driven by the uh, well, a multitude of factors, including the political climate, the state of the dra- the dramatic challenges that we're facing at the moment, the, the people's you know, uh, awareness and, and, and feeling of needing to be part of the change? Yeah, I, I think they're both important factors. There's, there's clearly, um, I'd say from, from a revenue perspective for CARE2, the, the change has primarily been, I think, through demand from the nonprofit organizations, kind of real, realizing that they um, aren't able to recruit enough donor prospects on their own. Um, from, and that's kind of the primarily kind of the, the driver of revenue growth for CARE2. Um, but we've seen, certainly seen an increase in general activism. But honestly, we've been seeing an increase in general activism for, for many, many years. And so it's not, um, uh, even though there, there have been spikes along the way, you know, we have the, the Trump bump in, in the United States here um, in uh, the spring of 2000, I guess that was 16, um, that uh, there's been, uh, so, so, so I think that, that there continues to be a growth in, in activism, but I would say that primarily it's the, the nonprofit demand that's really been spiking recently. To what extent, it seems like a two-legged business model in a sense, to what extent are there tensions between the different goals, the different parts of the business? Yeah, that's a good question. We generally aren't seeing a whole lot of tension there, I guess. I think we've been really careful to try to create a complementary model. Uh, I mean, uh, we know that the only way that we are going to continue to grow is to provide exceptional value to the nonprofit organizations, and then also provide exceptional value to um, the individuals that use our site. And so we're very careful in how we treat both of those. And that if we are trying to recruit, you know, low quality kind of the, you know, people that let's say people that are not going to convert um, for a particular nonprofit organization, then that nonprofit's not going to come back to us. And so the better we can create that match between the individual and the nonprofit organization, the happier both parties are going to be. And so I think there, there's very much of an aligned incentive there to uh, understand both what the nonprofit is looking for and also understand what the individual is looking for to make that connection the best it can possibly be. Uh, very interesting. Now, uh, increasingly, uh, you see, and it's one of the, I guess, distinctive qualities of social entrepreneurship, is you see people coming from mainstream business into social business, social entrepreneurship, and that's something that you've you had the experience of. Um, are there any insights you have in terms of how the challenge is different? Well, I think the challenge has been, so initially when I first started out, one of the biggest challenges that I faced was raising money because there are in general investors wear one of two hats. They either wear their donation hat and they are going to make a donation to uh, a nonprofit organization to do good in the world, or they're going to wear their investment hats and they are going to invest in the next, you know, Facebook or Google and uh, try to make as much money as possible. And it's often difficult for them to believe that they can actually invest in a company that is going to do good and help to make them money at the same time. And so that was my my initial challenge. And I think that has, you know, there, there have been enough examples um, in the world of companies that have actually 
um, done well, such as uh, Tom's or Ben and Jerry's or Body Shop or Etsy and and, and other kind of uh, leading social entrepreneurial companies that have that have been successful. So I think that's less of a of a struggle these days, but I think that is still a challenge that social entrepreneurs um, face. I, I think folks, we can't take the gloves off, let's say, and kind of do everything that maybe some for-profit companies are willing to do. But from my perspective, at the end of the day, that's that's just simply a good thing for shareholder value because um, the more we stay uh, true to our mission, the more our clients are going to like us and the more our the individual members are going to like us. And so I don't actually at the end of the day see that there, there's some there's some maybe short-term wins that we will miss out on. But we're, we're not really focused on the, the, the short term. We're really focused on kind of how do we, how do we make this a win-win for everybody um, in the long run. And so I think that that ends up actually working in our favor that we are socially responsible. It's also a great thing for uh, you know, employees. We've got a great team who've been with us. Uh, we've got probably the most experienced team when it comes to donor acquisition anywhere. Uh, many of our executive team have been with us for 10 or more years uh, we've got really experienced campaign team. Uh, people have seen, you know, our, our, our employees have seen just a tremendous amount of uh, campaigns from a whole variety of nonprofit organizations as well as individuals. So, uh, and they love what they do because they're seeing that they're making a real impact. So, I think it actually helps with employee retention as well. So, I, I, I think I see it more as a as a positive than I do kind of a challenge. Uh, when what now now that we've gotten funding and are kind of have, you know long since kind of created a sustainable business model here. Fascinating, fascinating. Do you think about what what are what are when when you set up the care two and how it's evolved over time? What are the key areas? Do you think these are the areas we have to excel in and and really be the best at? Yeah, no, great question. Is we are obsessive about uh, creating, um, do- basically acquiring donor um, prospects, quality donor prospects for our nonprofit clients, and that's like if we're going to be the best at anything in the world, um, it has to be that. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, nonprofits are paying the bills. And they're only paying the bills because we're more effective and efficient than anywhere else that they can go. And so that's one thing that I think we've really probably um, evolved more than anything over time is to become super focused on making sure that they get real value out of the donor prospects that, that we're acquiring. Yes, absolutely. Now, um, looking forward, what, what are your plans for the business? Well, we feel like this, so the, the, we're barely touching the tip of the iceberg here. So the um, nonprofits spend about thirteen billion dollars annually in the United States alone uh, in direct mail and kind of communications to acquire new donor prospects. It's a it's a huge huge business, uh, and ninety percent of that is still offline today. So we barely you know touch the tip of the iceberg here. There's so much more opportunity, and so. I think you know our, our plan is just to stay really focused on providing exceptional value to our clients, making sure that what we provide them is exactly what they need. And if we do that really well, uh, there's a you know very bright future for us. And so uh, that's that's what we're focused on. We're not planning on you know going broad or trying new kind of uh, new approaches. We feel like we've really we're doing something uh, well, and we want to be the best in the world at what we do. Fascinating. What would you say to a nonprofit 
that's uh, embedded, that's been doing direct mail for a long time. It's not as effective as before, but they know what they're doing. They're getting some results. How would you uh, convince them that um, to consider Care2? Well, you know, it's funny. I actually don't think generally we don't need to <laughs> convince them that uh, they need to shift from direct mail uh, because yes, they can yeah, see yes. that it's an, it's an aging population <laughs> yeah. and their and the number of donor prospects that they're acquiring through direct mail is just it's really been plunging. They're, it's actually still a good model for them to um, retain and kind of get additional donations from individuals who have already donated, um, but it's not a good source for finding um, new donors. So uh, I think. So I think that that part of it is relatively easy. That that said, you know they're still doing as much as they can through direct mail, um, kind of to get as much as they can from the the the, the channel that they know best. Uh, but they they can see the writing on the wall, and so they're beginning to move faster and faster online. Uh, where where Care Two really excels is that. Um, we make it simple for them to get kind of predictable, um, high-quality results that uh, they're not going to be able to get elsewhere. So if they try um, direct or you know, viral means, uh, the, the results are very unpredictable. It's often very expensive to run those campaigns in-house. Uh, with Facebook, you kind of have similar challenges that you, initially, and we actually um, we actually recommend that uh, our clients also uh, kind of run in, um, some Facebook campaigns um, and try to convert uh, donor prospects to donors uh, via Facebook because we're, we are living in a multi-channel world, and so uh, they need to take a multi-channel approach. And so, um, but what they what they often find is that you can't scale on Facebook. You can get maybe initially and get some very um, attractive. Uh, donor prospects initially, but it's really hard to scale that um, because of the challenges I mentioned before where they're competing against everybody under the sun. And so we can guarantee results. We guarantee, you know, we can collect millions of leads. Actually, we've uh, recruited over 90 million donor prospects for nonprofit organizations. So we can uh, really scale it up um, in a very uh, kind of predictable and consistent way for our clients, that uh, where they know that um, they're going to get exactly what they expect when they uh, when they work with us, and we are, have a very experienced campaign team that will work with them to make sure that we optimize the results. We'll do analysis with them um, to make sure that their campaign went well and to understand what's working and what maybe needs to be improved next time. And so I think there's there's nobody else out there who provides the kind of the depth of service that we do. And so uh, I think that's generally we make it simple and predictable, uh, which is uh, great for nonprofit organizations because, you know, at the, at the end of the day, they need donors to survive. And so um, kind of we help them to, to build their, their donor base. Fascinating. Uh, one last question there, maybe. Perhaps uh, can you what what are the variables that they look at? What are the, the the metrics? The cost of the donor prospect, the the responsiveness of the donor prospect. Can you maybe give a couple of examples and maybe how it would compare with traditional uh, direct mail? Right. So direct mail, this the kind of the benchmark is. It's interesting that they, they expect most organizations expect a payback from direct mail in about twelve to eighteen months, um, which is kind of surprisingly long, I think, from, from a lot of people's perspective, but uh, it's, it's a fairly long payback. Um, with online, they're, they're, they generally are looking at uh, ROI, so return on investment, the, the, the how quickly 
um, they can get uh, paid back for the amount of money that they spend and what is the total amount of, of value that they're getting from that spend. And so with Care 2, they're generally seeing return on investment. Uh, it depends on the organization. Uh, some are, have, are more effective at this than others for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, but it may be uh, a few months to um, maybe upwards of nine months to a year uh, for various organizations. But it's a lot faster than it is uh, via direct mail. And then over time, what they see is that these uh, prospects keep on giving and giving and giving. And so we've had clients for uh, you know 10 years or more that are still finding uh, new donors coming from some of the leads that we acquired for them uh, many years previously. So uh, over the, the lifetime value of the leads is really exceptional um, from, from Care2. We find we've got very, very active members that um, are very passionate, uh, very engaged, and um, frankly, they donate a lot to organizations. That's fascinating. Now, you, the, the way you present it and the clarity, the, uh, the, the development of the ideas and business models and so forth, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it seems very clear. Yet I know that to build an organization like this takes a tremendous commitment and drive and persistence. What keeps you going? What keeps you inspired? <laughs> well, yeah, it has been uh, a, a real evolution, I'd say, over the, the years. So, um, you know, I'd say what, interestingly, uh, my motivations actually, or aspirations, I'll say, really haven't changed that much, um, you know, since, since I was 11 years old, since, since I uh, first kind of got that kind of bug in me to, to want to make the world a better place, because there is so much, uh, so much that needs to be done, and I, you know, it is so evident to me that, the more people that are involved um, and the more people that see that the, that their involvement is doing good, uh, the better the world is going to be. So we're really, you know, our goal is to create a kinder, more inclusive and sustainable world. And we're only going to get there if more people get out there and vote, more people move, you know, put their dollar, use their dollars uh, more effectively and um, are taking action to support organizations and um, the kind of efforts that it's going to take to, to make the world a better place. So we see ourselves as a, as a catalyst to engaging, um, especially the, the progressive world, I'll say, in, uh, in helping to realize the benefits of, of being involved. And so that, that's really what motivates me, that I can see that we're making a real impact. We're, we're actually um, having an impact both today as well as kind of building that, that movement that is going to end uh, with this you know, better, more sustainable and more inclusive world. Well, I wish you the very best of luck, the very best of success with your uh, vision and building this movement. And thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience, your insights and all the great work you've been doing. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneur podcast. I hope you found this interview inspiring. Please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.